Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today, looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes 7. A good reputation is better than the best perfume. The day of one's death is better than the day of his birth. Better to go to a funeral than to a feast, since death is the final destination for all mankind. The living must take this to heart. Grief is better than laughter, because a sad face does a heart good. The hearts of the wise think about the funeral, but the hearts of the fools think about the feast. It is better to hear a rebuke from a wise man than to listen to a happy song from fools, for the fool's laughter sounds like thorns crackling under a cooking pot. This, too, is vapor. To be sure, oppressing others turns a wise man into a fool, and a bribe corrupts his heart. It is better to finish something than to begin something. A patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. Do not be quick to lose your temper, for outrage is embraced by fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? Wisdom would not lead you to ask such a question. Wisdom along with an inheritance is good. It is an advantage for those who see the sun, because wisdom gives shade as money gives shade. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom keeps its owner alive. Look at the work of God. Indeed, who can straighten what he has bent? On a good day, enjoy the good. But on a bad day, consider carefully. God has made the one as well as the other, so no man can find out about anything that will come later. During my days that vanish like vapor, I have seen it all. For instance, a righteous man perishes despite being righteous, while an evil man lives for a long time in spite of his evil. Do not be overly righteous. Do not trust too much in wisdom. Why ruin yourself? Do not be overly wicked either, and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good that you hang on to one alternative, but do not let go of the other, for the one who fears God will avoid both extremes. Wisdom makes one wise man stronger than ten rulers who are in the city. There is surely not a righteous man on earth who does good and does not sin. Furthermore, do not take to heart all the words people say, so that you do not hear your servant cursing you. Yes, you know in your heart many times that you too have cursed others. All this I tested with wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was out of reach for me. What has happened already is out of reach, and deeper than deep. Who can find it? I turned my heart to know, to investigate, and to seek wisdom, and to find out how things fit together, and to know that wickedness is foolishness, and stupidity is madness. I kept finding out that a woman whose heart is a trap is more bitter than death. Her heart is a hunter's net. Her hands are chains. The man whom God recognizes as good will escape from her but the sinner gets trapped by her. Look, says Ecclesiastes, this is what I found by adding one thing to another in my attempts to find how things fit together. This is something my soul keeps seeking but has not found. One man out of a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have not found. Look, I have only found this. I have found that God made mankind upright, but they have gone off looking for many schemes. This is the word of our God. In this chapter, Solomon kind of talks about um, talks about what we might consider New Year's resolutions, and as he does so, he also considers the proverbial saying that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
Um, you can almost hear an echo of that in some of what he says here. And so finally, we've got we've got these three things: New Year's resolutions, um, the idea that power corrupts, and then finally, this idea of being balanced and content, which is an idea that he's come around to before. And as he's talking about how do we live our lives under the sun, that is, how do we live our lives in this world, looking forward um, and recognizing that the Lord will bring us to the next world, that is heaven. And that eventually, eventually there will be a resurrection of all flesh and that you and I, body and soul, will inhabit heaven for all eternity. As Solomon has that perspective, he talks again about life under the sun and what is good and what could be avoided. And the first category, the so-called New Year's resolutions, that's like verses 8 and following. Better to finish something than to begin something. A patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. And maybe, and those two things kind of go hand in hand, and they're almost set off in, in opposition to one another. Um, better to finish something than to begin something. Maybe you think of a project that has languished for a while, and when you first began it, it was exciting, and you were making good progress on it, and then and then it just kind of languished, and then it sat there, and and the project that maybe you had been excited about is now sitting there staring at you, and it's something that you might even come to dread. Solomon says it is better to finish something than to begin something in this life under the sun, in this life um, of, of a world that is transitory and events that are transitory and success and even failures that are transitory, which means that they are going to be passing away, that the success doesn't stick around and nor does the failure. Solomon says it is better to finish something than to begin something. And kind of together with that, or as the second half of verse eight that you throw into that, that pot in your mind as you're kind of stirring it around and you let it simmer together for a little bit, what could be the connection here between being a patient spirit better than a proud spirit? Well, maybe it's um, maybe it's similar to the pride of the rabbit in that famous uh, tale, the, the tortoise and the hare, the rabbit who is proud and the rabbit who gets off to a quick start but does not have the diligence to finish. And he, perhaps Solomon is saying the same thing here, that among the New Year's resolutions one might make, um, that the projects that one would undertake aren't as important as the projects that one would finish. And so it's it's just kind of this this general observation that for people living under the sun, it is better to finish something, that there's more satisfaction and gratification in finishing something than beginning something else. And just an observation that life in this world is passing and even the progress that we make um, and the progress that we plan and the idea, the plans that we have are not going to be lasting forever. So then secondly, the second kind of category that he talks about, especially in this chapter, is this idea of power corrupts. And he has that in verse 7. And I think that's where his comments um, related to women at the end of this chapter really fall. He's not talking about godly women. He's talking about women who would use their their persuasiveness or their attractiveness for their own personal gain. We're talking about the ungodly who would manipulate others and work their way into a position of power or influence on the basis of of their attractiveness or fill in the blank. It's a common trope in probably soap operas, certainly in politics, and and those two are sometimes one and the same, it seems. And then also in, in movies that here's this this 
person, this woman who wants to lead somebody astray or wants to get something out of somebody else. And, um, and that's a very powerful thing. But where he kind of goes with that, and that kind of falls under the, the somewhat more broad category, that power corrupts. Um, and verse 7 would be a good example of that. To be sure, oppressing others turns a wise man into a fool, and a bribe corrupts his heart. That the person who has power, the person who has the ability to dictate the way that others might live, the person who has influence and is who maybe maybe regarded as a wise man or regarded as a benevolent leader, um, that person has within him or herself that human heart that will lead them astray, that will be um, totally corrupted by the power that is entrusted to them, because that person at heart is a fool. And so, when Solomon says this, you know, power corrupts, and you could almost hear, you could almost hear the echo of his own life when he's lamenting, perhaps, when he's lamenting his own mistakes, and when he's lamenting how his heart was led astray um, to follow other gods, and when he's thinking about his own failures as a king, or even his father's failures as a king, that is, King David. So then finally, finally in this chapter, the, the third major takeaway, the third major topic that Solomon discusses here is this idea of balance. Balance. Um, and it's similar to contentment because if one is not content, if one is discontented, then he or she might go chasing after this or after that. But the person who is content will at the same time be balanced. And he touches on this um, at the beginning of the chapter and then also down toward the bottom when he talks about the heart of the wise, thinking about the funeral, the heart of the fool, thinking about the feast. When he talks about the the rebuke from a wise man versus the happy song of the fools, for the fool sounds like so much, just so many crackling thorns under the fire pot. Um, when he talks about do not be overly righteous, do not trust too much in wisdom, why ruin yourself and do not be overly wicked and do not be a fool, why die before your time? And he, I think verse 18 is a good summation of this this theme of this chapter, this theme of balance. It is good that you hang on to one alternative, but do not let go of the other. For the one who fears God will avoid both extremes. That, that when you talk about how power and influence might corrupt one's heart and one's actions, we also recognize that, that wisdom and folly can both corrupt and will continue to both corrupt our actions. That it is simple to take pride in one's wisdom and to look down upon the fool. Or it is also simple to take pride in one's folly and look down upon the stick in the mud who doesn't want to participate in the fun right now. And as a Christian, as a Christian, we recognize that middle point of balance that you as a Christian know that your Lord watches over you, that he's given you um, your vocation, your area of responsibilities we've talked about last week, that he's given you the people in your life to care for, that he's given you companionship and, and a time of work and a time of rest. He's given you contentment and that you have nothing to worry about. And so it's okay to be balanced. You don't need to be you don't need to have your heart strung along by uh, the sensationalism of the news headlines. You don't need to have your heart totally beaten down by the prospect and the worries of this world. You don't need to um, be totally consumed in your work, nor do you need to be totally consumed in running away from your work. As a Christian, Solomon says, be balanced. So as you go about your day, what does that mean? And what does that look like? 
what part of your life is maybe a little out of balance, needs a little bit more attention, which aspects of your, your life or your mood are starting to get a little out of hand. And who can you talk to to help regain and retain some of that balance in your life? Because this is the bottom line, that we are Christians living in the world of sin and death and pain. And it's not easy. And Solomon's words here aren't, aren't intended to simply beat us down and look at how we have fallen short. Solomon's words are to provide a little bit of a map to say, hey, how about we try this? Let's try something new. Let's try something different. And I think you can find some benefit in this. So as you go about your day, find that one person you can talk to. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's a, a good Christian confidant or friend. Maybe it's your spouse. And talk to them about making sure that, um, that we have some balance, making sure that we have some contentment, making sure that power and, uh, and sensationalism don't grab hold of our hearts. And maybe you know, taking a moment to say, what are some things we want to really focus on and think about in this new year? Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. A little bit longer episode today, but I appreciate you sticking with us here. God bless your day.